Now it's time for us to be talking motoring with Nico Smith. Uh, remember, I did ask you to send in your questions. Um, the petrol head uh, is uh, now the time for those questions via WhatsApp 086-104107. Nico, thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I am strong. I am happy. The fact that uh, next month the petrol price might go down again, but feel sorry for those who drive diesel cars because that is set to go up. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very good. Yes, it, it always goes up and down, but it seems to go up by a lot and then down by a little and up by a lot. So we don't, I don't really feel like we're always winning. We just feel mm. a little bit better when it's a bit cheaper. But of course, the benefits of buying a diesel car is always, diesel cars are really uh, much lighter the same engine size to a pickle. So buying a diesel car, um, even though the, the, the diesel might be a bit um, more expensive, if you have the same car and the price of the car, the petrol and the diesel car is the same, you're going to save at the pumps. All right. I didn't know this, but uh, I think it's something I need to bear in mind. <laughs> Maybe yep. as we go shopping for another car, diesel should be the way to go. Let's talk. What's going on with uh, the motoring industry? What are the things we should be looking out for, Nico? Okay. So what's um, uh, an interesting article I read in the week is that Bridgestone are, are looking at creating um, tires with a new, more sustainable material. So in northern, northern Mexico, there's a material called Guayale. Um, and the Guayale um, is a heat-tolerant source of natural rubber that can be used to make tires. So uh, Bridgestone has, has actually been um, using that, that, those tires, um, and they actually went racing with the tires. So in other words, they, they um, built Firestone Firehawk um, tires, um, and they were used in IndyCar for the first time. So they tested the, the, these tires made of, or the sidewalls made of Guayale in IndyCar racing. Because, of course, um, as we know, sustainability is a big thing with, with any, not only car manufacturers, but also the suppliers. And the same goes for the rubber and, and getting the, excuse me. Mm. <clears throat> so it's also about getting a more sustainable material. So that's, that's interesting that they're using um, or testing this. And, of course, it, it's, it goes back a long time where car manufacturers and now even car manufacturers are testing different compounds on racetracks. So a lot of the time, uh, car manufacturers would test technology on a racetrack, and then, you know, if it works quite well, it might go into, into a car. So let's see if this is, is quite successful and that, um, that um, they look more towards that sustainability route. You know, Nico, when it comes to us and our cars, right, um, I'd like us to just maybe talk a bit about... Um, how to save fuel? I know this is a conversation that keeps going on, but I never get enough of it because I don't really know how to save my fuel. And then there's also this new technology, apparently there are pills and lubricants and what have you not that you can put into your car's engine that might help you save fuel. I'm so scared of them. If you know about them, please educate us. Well, you, uh, so let's start with those pills and things. They don't work. If you ever want to waste money and uh, simultaneously destroy your car, then add anything to, especially the fuel. Uh, so the car manufacturers do huge, uh, uh, um, the amount of money that goes into research is millions and millions of euros or yen or whatever, uh, and dollars if it's in America, that they're going to research the cars to make sure the cars are very efficient, that the car ha cars have low emissions. But of course, there's always people that say, listen, well, it's desperate times and people want to save fuel. So now they advertise a pull that you can put into your fuel tank or um, a magnet that you put on a fuel line or add this thing. And if the many car manufacturers don't um, normally endorse it themselves, I'd really stay away. I'd run away. 
um, especially anything in the fuel tank, all that you're going to do is you're going to add something to the fuel that's probably going to clog up the fuel line. It's definitely going to hurt the injectors in the engine because how, how the newer cars work to save fuel is that um, uh, a car mixes fuel and air to work. So you have a ratio um, of 14.7 parts air and one part fuel, and you always want a petrol car to work with that ratio. So what the car manufacturers then do is they, they inject the fuel at very high pressure into the engine so that you use exactly the same amount of fuel, not too much and not too, so no, not too little, not too much. So those, to, to work like that, you actually have a high-pressure system that has small little holes and high pressure. Now when you add something to the fuel, all you're doing is you're adding dirty bits that have to go through that high-pressure injector. Um, so the chances of damaging the car are pretty good, especially if you, you, if you have a very high-end car. So not, none of those things, in my opinion, work. I would really stay away um, to add anything. If the car manufacturers say, add this to our car, then I would do it. So um, there were cases, let's say some of the Subaru models, you could add an octane booster that it would enhance the performance. But Subaru allowed that, and this, uh, this is a while back. So if the car manufacturer allows it, go for it. But I don't normally see the advertising where um, Mercedes-Benz says, well, add this to our car to add more fuel. So, so run, don't, don't waste your money and, and with that destroy the engine. The best way to, to save fuel um, is, of course, to drive less. That's the, the first start. Um, and where the car is going to use the most amount of fuel is every time it has to start moving because you have to start moving that heavy weight. And that uses a lot of fuel. Um, while you are then moving, the fuel consumption would be less. So um, if you can try and avoid stopping, uh, that would help already. So if you're driving and you're looking ahead and planning for traffic lights uh, and rather slow down a little bit so that you can see the next traffic light green, that would make a small difference in the fuel consumption. How hard you drive the car makes a big difference. So if your revolutions are high in the car, so when you're driving, the higher the revolutions, let's say you're going to four, five, six, seven thousand RPM if your car goes to those revolutions, that's going to affect the fuel consumption in the car uh, as well. So um, uh, those are things that would make, I would say, a difference. It starts with buying a car. And if you're buying uh, all the newer cars, especially the small cars, have small little engines, especially the small turbocharged engines work really quite well. So I guess it starts with buying the right car and buying a car with a smaller engine, let's say a little three-cylinder, one-liter turbo engine. That's actually quite popular with a few manufacturers. Now, I recently was in, in, in Durban for work, and I hired a little Opel, uh, Opel Corsa with a three-cylinder engine. And, and that makes a big difference in the fuel consumption. So if, you, if you've got a three-liter V6, already you're not on the winning side. I would say those are the best tips. Okay, excellent tips there, Nico. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back. I've got questions here from our A-Team listeners. Um, you can still send yours on 0614-104-107. All Things Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Well, uh, Nico, we've got a question here from uh, Samson, who's in Johannesburg. Samson is asking, what is a great first car for my son who will start Varsity next year, safe and fuel efficient? Yo, uh, you know what? You, you've got so many options um, um, to go for. I would say um, uh, if, you, if you're starting Varsity and you're going to get, get a new car, that would be, um, I think, uh, something lots of students would dream of. I would go to the major manufacturer. Well, actually not this. There's so many choices. It's actually quite difficult to, to go for. If you want to look at safety for the car, um, I would go to EuroNCAP.com um, because they um, are the ones that give um, a safety rating that's 
the, the, the high safety rating. I know there's a billboard on the highway that um, talks about uh, other um, crash test companies, but if you really want to see how safe a car is, Euro MCAP is the, is the one I would go for. So that would be a start if you want to look at how safe the car is. Um, then a lot of the time I would say to people, if you're used to a certain brand, um, look, look at that brand. So if you're used to driving a Kia or a Toyota or a Volkswagen or a Suzuki, um, those would be the ones I would go for. Um, I would say brands like Suzuki and Honda are normally understated, but they keep going forever. You know, the, 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 the servicing isn't, um, shouldn't be that expensive and the cars just don't break. Um, but again, you have the choices of VW, as I said, you've got Kia, you've got Hyundai. Um, wait a minute, so Nico. Wait, wait, wait yeah. a minute. You say they just don't break. You mentioned yeah, you brands that just don't break. What? Yeah, I want one buy, of those. <laughs> if you want to buy a car that's not necessarily exciting, but it's also not exciting because it's not going to break down, Honda would be, you know, Honda and Suzuki, in my mind, are really quite reliable brands. And again, part of this is um, what I've seen throughout the years, and part of this, of course, is also my opinion. But brands like Honda, especially, are known worldwide for reliability. You know, so um, I think that's one thing as well. As a parent, you um, want a car that is not going to break down. But if you're buying a new car, chances of the car breaking down is very little anyway. Right. But you actually, you know, you have a, a wide range of choices. Um, I would also maybe take you, if it's not a surprise, take your, your son or daughter along and let them also make the choice. So go test drive a few different cars. Look at what, what the car manufacturers offer. Um, but also let them be part of that choice because um, they're going to drive the car. I guess even if it's a gift, it would be nice if they can be part of the choice. And if, I would say safety, especially with youngsters, because if you're young, um, you tend to take more chances. When you, as you get older, you, you, you tend to drive more conservatively. So I think a, a good car with good safety features like um, airbags and, and at least ABS, and, well, at least stability control actually would be a good idea. And if you, again, if you have the money and you're concerned about the safety, I would say a driving course is actually not a bad idea as an investment because nowadays, if you've got your driver's license, all that means is that you know how to watch in your blind spot and you can pull away on a hill and you can park the car. But it doesn't mean that you actually know what's going to happen in an emergency situation. So if your car suddenly skids or if you have to brake hard, um, especially novice drivers or, uh, or new drivers don't actually know how to control the car. So investing in a driving course would actually also be a good investment towards your, your son or daughter's safety because they teach you the right things. Um, and now that you have a driver's license, um, that would be the next step. I mean, I always say this. Um, I think for any of us, any driver out there, investing in yourself in an advanced driving course is worth the money because we can all mm. drive a car. But, but learning what happens in an emergency. And uh, so what you're looking for is a skid pan course. Uh, it's skid pan is the name, and a skid pan course will normally um, that will teach you. So when we're doing a skid pan course, we teach you how to first get the car in, into a, uh, a loss of control situation, and then how to regain it. So in, let's say you have ABS brakes, we teach you to climb on the brakes hard so that the wheels actually lock up. Or if you do understeer, we'll switch off stability control, and we can let you first induce understeer and then tell you how to fix it. Or we might use the handbrake to make the back skid out, and then show you how to control that. So a driving course is also a great investment. Absolutely agreed with you. Um, now, I've, I've got a question, and I hope we can go through this one quickly. Um, this one uh, is asking, do speed humps affect fuel consumption negatively? Yes or no? Sure, that's an interesting. I never had that. I, if I, I have to say they, they, you've got to slow down and move again. So I guess they would affect the fuel consumption, because let's take a straight road that's 1K long, 
and you're driving along at 60 kilometers an hour, you'd get a certain fuel consumption at the end of that road. If you have to slow down for four speed bumps, every time you're slowing down and then accelerating and getting the car to move again, that would um, um, probably affect the fuel consumption. So if I have to take a guess, I've never measured it, just logic says to me, you're going to be worse off every time you have to slow down, and uh, you know, especially if the arm's quite big, because then you slow down a lot and then you get moving again. And you slow down, you lose energy by braking, and you get moving again. I would say yes, fuel fuel fuel, bar, uh, fuel humps on the road actually makes your fuel consumption worse. Not a lot. Okay, so, so so now I'm I'm a bit upset because the f- speed humps in um, uh, r- location areas, right, are very high. They're very big. They're like little mountains, and on top of them, they're everywhere. Like after every one meter, it's there. It's there. It's there. So in other words, in the location, we are not saving on fuel. We are using more fuel. I'm sad. Something must be done. Nico, we've got a, a comment here from Keith Dinabantu, who's in Stellenbosch. Keith says, uh, "Morning, Pat and Nico, the best." amongst other ways to save fuel is to be kind on the pedal check vacuum leaks keep engine clean good tires and service the car thanks for the great show so this is just a compliment before i let you go yeah before i let you go nico before i let you go because we need to go to the news in about uh, 50 seconds quickly i've seen a lot of buckies on the market and there weren't so many brands of Twin cab buckies. What's going on here? And are they brands that we should stay away from? Because a twin cab is supposed to be built for hard work. No, you know what? There's so many. Um, you actually are spoiled for choice when you get to, to, to double cab buckies um, in South Africa. And of course, they're quite popular. So I wouldn't say there's any brands you'd steer away for. Some brands you're going to pay a lot more, but then they have years of experience. And some, some cars are, are buckies are not into the market and they are at a more affordable price, which makes it easier for some people. Um, in other words, it puts them into a bracket where you couldn't afford it before because some of the buckies go up to a million rand now for a bucky. So I, I, it's always going to be a case of you, you, what you pay, you're going to get what you pay for. So um, I wouldn't steer some from something, but uh, things like a warranty and a good service or maintenance plan goes a long way. Nico, thank you so very much for joining us. It's always such a great pleasure having you here Thanks on Petrolhead. Nice thank you. you.